0: your
1: host, Chris Cooper. Hi, this is Chris Cooper and a huge welcome to the Business Elevation Show on Voice America. It's great to be back with you again for, for another week, another week of the world being in, uh, in turbulence. and it was great last week to be talking with Maggie, Maggie, Maggie Craddock about navigating unexpected career change. Uh, we talked about or she shared with us her her thoughts and analogies um uh, with the Titanic and how that uh, famous ship hit the iceberg and and stories about uh, how people survived the lifeboats and had to stand up and and lead and uh, behave uh, differently in a in a crisis and uh, as was mentioned there in the introduction you know I'm very concern myself about elevating the way that we do business. And it feels like that statement about elevating the way we do business and contributing to a better world is really, really important right now. And uh, Maggie shared with us lots of thoughts and ideas around uh, career change and uh, how to navigate those choppy waters. And if you've not listened to that show, I'd recommend going back into, the, into it, or if you've maybe listened to it once before, if you found it great sharing it, because there's a lot of people out there who really do need help right now. Lots of circumstances have changed. The economics are changing uh, around the world. People are finding their their, their jobs, their careers disrupted their family life's disruptive and i think any ideas right now that we can get to help us to navigate these choppy waters effectively are very very welcome indeed certainly i welcome them and and i welcome the contributions from the guests on this show in enabling me to think about uh, that and navigating myself and my business through this change And therefore, today, I've got another fantastic guest for you. His name is Barnaby Winter. He's he's an incredible branding expert from the UK. He's going to talk about turning quality leads into quality business uh, with me. And we're going to discuss why you must design your marketing like a bucket and how to turn high-quality leads generated into high-quality business. Now, Barnaby Winter has spent his whole career simply well, simply because it's quite complex world, but dedicated to making sense of how marketing impacts your business. He founded the Brand Bucket Company in 2010 to extend his impact on corporate companies and, and startups. And in the past, he owned a top 200 integrated London advertising agency for 10 years. So when I was working my days many years ago, buying advertising and marketing agencies and, and things for FMCG companies, um, I got a, a little, a little um, inside information into that world. And, uh, and I was talking to people like Barnaby and he led a team to develop a foundation system for marketing your business and over seven seven years the brand bucket program was defined as it was applied to over 570 brands worldwide what i'm trying to tell you is with his 30 years of experience he he knows what to do and he's a go-to expert when it comes to kind of branding in your market and uh, and utilizing that to generate quality business so a huge welcome to my guest today to barnaby winter
2: hey chris great to be with you
1: you're, you're very welcome. And i just note your your surname. It's not um, spelt. It's Winter with a Y, isn't it? It what is
2: difference? with a Y. That's right. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> where, so the, where, all the we, we we uh the family uh, traces its its history back to the Gunpowder Plot, actually, which is uh, was founded by uh, Robert and Thomas Winter, and there is a direct link to Robert, I think, who's only one of the two brothers that had children. And somewhere along the way, I think my great grandfather. Um, got uh, uh, slightly tipsy on the way to the birth uh, the, the birth registration office and so you had to register in, in person and misspelt his own surname with a Y. And so we are the one branch of the Winter family with an I with a Y. So we've been burdened with that ever since because you always have to say it's Barnaby Winter with a Y. And then you get wintery, of course, which isn't particularly helpful. Um, but, um, and then you have to explain it. So that's a little crazy history there.
1: And you haven't found a sort of natural desire in your DNA to sort of, you know, plot things and blow things up or anything like that?
2: Well, it's interesting you should say that. But actually, my career is characterized by only working with disruptor and challenger brands, funnily enough. So I had a mentor about 15 years ago, analyse my CV, and he said, did you know that you only really work on brands that disrupt their relative marketplaces? So maybe, maybe. Maybe there's some inherited characteristics there. Who knows?
1: Yeah, it's like to be a bit disruptive. Mm. And whereabouts in the world are you?
2: So I I'm, uh, run my business out of uh, a county called Kent, which is just to the southeast of London, uh, and spend most of my time uh, when we're not uh, suffering from the pandemic uh, in, in London. So uh, I live out in Kent and I work mostly in London.
1: Uh, and you said they're sort of suffering from the pandemic. How are you finding it?
2: Uh, listen, it's been actually, uh, this is where we couldn't come out wrong, but it's been a bit of a revelation for me um, because I've I decided to uh, take my formula for marketing success, push it into the cloud 10 years ago and start to work operationally from from a, a, an extensive home office. So actually that part of my life has not really been impacted as it has done for many people, I'm sure. And so what I've actually used the, the, the last nine months for is as kind of a sabbatical for my, my business. Um, and it's been an opportunity to literally dedicate a considerable amount of energy to improving just about everything I do. So I've really, really enjoyed it because I've removed this, the, the commuting up to London, the going to meetings, and it's created a, a huge amount of additional time, which I've, I've really dedicated to, to doing things better
1: and do you think, with that reflection now, will you ever go back to the way you operated before
2: uh, given a choice absolutely yes I, I think I think human beings tend to be people people, and they like to do business with people and I think the the, the nuances of communication rely on 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 being in the room together, so whilst i'm you know i've i have moved much of my speaking career for example online it's it's absolutely not the same as being on stage in front of an audience and working with with corporate clients direct and, and really understanding what what makes the brand tick within their business is easier to achieve if you're inside their work environment in their office so i'd love to go back but i also recognize that uh, i have now a, a bigger international portfolio than i did before uh, lockdown because people are much more accepting of doing business, uh, over, over the internet and via the, the video programs that are available right now.
1: That's good. And was there anything in your, you know, in your childhood, did you grow up in Kent?
2: I didn't know I'm a, I'm, I grew up in the Cotswads actually, um, which is, it's, uh, the Midlands of, of the UK It's right in the center. It's the landlocked bit and it's very, very beautiful, but it is very, very slow. And I always dreamt of, of, going to London, going up to the big smoke, as they call it here, um, uh, really a reference to the turn of the last century when it was full of coal, coal dust um, as a big city. But um, no, I I, I, uh, I really wanted to gravitate to the big city, so grew up in, in a, went to a little country comprehensive school and uh, went to university up in Scotland and then immediately came, came to London.
1: And what attracted you to marketing? Yeah, a, I
2: said, <laughs> I... I I first struck upon it on a on a um, and again this shows my age again on a concertina computer printout actually in 1983 <laughs> I I went to the university career department having decided that educational psychology uh, was not for me and did this 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 questionnaire thing and they gave me this huge piece of paper that had little holes down the side and it was all connected together. And as I'm sifting through all these different choices that the computers spat out at me, uh advertising sort of jumped out and I did some research on it and and then really gravitated towards the advertising industry. It sounded very exciting, very creative, uh nice and wheeler dealerish, which I probably was a little bit of that. And uh and then went on, did a postgraduate qualification in advertising and, and, and marketing as well two and then went straight into the advertising industry to start with.
1: Excellent. I, I was I did the same thing actually. I was remember they still remember that printout now. I don't know whether we're a similar age uh, to each other, but I, mine came out as an architect, so I don't know
2: <laughs> well my other one was a physicist and a social worker with the other two so there was like three top choices in advertising. And I thought no. No. Physicist no, social worker no, but uh, but uh, advertising really t- t- took took hold of me right then.
1: and, and I was chatting to you and before this uh, a, few, a week or two ago and I remember you saying to me that you'd uh, one of the things that you like to do each year is is just to do something completely different that you've never done before and I, I wonder I'll give you a prompt to, uh, for a great story you shared with me uh, something, and uh, I just wonder if, if it was a
2: sign of madness. Oh, okay, <laughs> right. now I know what you're talking about. I was thinking, where's he going with this? Right, okay. Yeah, so so every every year I I, I start at the beginning of the year and I think of something I've never done before, and i so I've, I've I've flown a plane and I've written a book and I've been on a banger rally from from uh, England to Monaco through eight countries in four days in a car worth no more than three hundred dollars, and you know done things like that. But the thing you're referencing to is my my wife once cut out a little. Little ad from the local newspaper, and said, "Here, you're you're a Madness fan, and Madness is a, a, a UK band uh, which I grew up with, and actually started in in the Midlands. In fact, where where I, where I came from originally, and they have they have a, they took some of their music and they converted it into a play called Our House. And she said, Look, they, they they're auditioning for people to appear in in this this play.'" And I, she said, "Why don't you go an audition?" So uh, I said, "Well, okay." So I turn up at this audition in a in a in a school hall, and everybody there is about 25, and I was this I was in 2012, so I was just into my 50s, and so I walk in, and they all look at me, and uh, I i've come here for the audition they said okay great and the audition was to sing a madness song i can't sing and it, our house is a musical so it's singing acting dancing uh i can't dance either so i, I had chosen a song um which you spoke so I, I get up on stage and they say off you go um thank you very much and i i sort of recite this this song and they go where's which one's that and i said oh, it's off their first album and they go okay fine and uh, and they're all looking at each other going, What is going on? And the director who they'd employed particularly for this event said, Can you do it drunk? And I said, Oh yes. And the, the song was called Nice Man, George, News Agent in the corner. So I, I did it drunk and I went, I, 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 George, I, George. And she said, okay, thank you very much. And everybody in the room is just staring at me. And um and, and I, I head out the door thinking that was one of the worst things I've ever done. And uh, six weeks later, I was given one of the main parts um, of, of the, uh, the, the play. Uh, on the first rehearsal night, I was given a further seven parts, partly because of my age and the way it all fitted in. Anyway, everybody in the whole the whole acting troupe hated me because I just literally walked off the street and got apart part in this way. And then I spent six months of absolute hell learning to dance, learning to sing, uh, uh, applying acting. And then we, we, we did the show. It all went very well. And I shan't ever be doing anything like that again, Chris, I can assure you.
1: (laughs) Have some of those skills helped you with uh, your speaking?
2: Yes. So one one of the, uh, one of the big things I learned was, Uh, about four rehearsals in the the director took me to one side. She said, look, you know, I, I see you can struggling with the dancing. That's fine. We'll get you on that. I can, the singing. Okay. Well, you know, you've only got the one solo. Yeah. Great. Fantastic. Um, and, um, uh, she said, but I want, I want you to really up your acting part because you're quite, quite good at all of that. So, and she taught me a thing called the beat. Um, and this, this was a, a, a technique where you break down your sentences and you, you put above the sentence what, what you want people to feel about that particular phraseology. And you learn your lines via these, these beats so you can split up. A, and actually, I've applied that to my speaking uh, career, so that actually I'm a much better performer on stage now when I'm using uh, the, the narrative that I use to support, obviously, what we're talking about today. So absolutely learn learn that, and that was a real key lesson for me um, to learn how to use the beat when you're when you're putting points across. Very like cool, it.
1: like it. That's very cool. So so how do you help businesses today, and why is branding so important? Yeah, so I, I, four I just, minutes.
2: Four, yeah, so I, I, the 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 reality of, of, of this is, I think it, it isn't branding that's important. Funnily enough, it's brand is important. There's a big distinction between brand and branding, and so one of the first things I do with businesses, I help them understand that they're not looking for branding, they're looking for brand, and the difference there is branding is essentially how you you dress your business it's it's your logo it's your look and your feel and all that sort of thing how your website looks and all that sort of thing whereas your brand is something entirely different um your brand is is your business it's actually how it's how it works so what i what i do now is with businesses i teach them what brand really means what it stands for and then i embed that level of understanding every element of their systems and processes so that their whole business starts to turn outwards towards the people who buy from them rather than it's, it's built around the founder or it's built around a, an operation um, that is designed to help the business do things more profitably. Actually, what you're trying to do is create a brand which is all about the buyer. So I do that by embedding a, a, a system which we developed, as, as you said, in the introduction over, over a seven-year period. Um, an original six-month project extended to seven years. It took much longer than we thought, which enables us to address the whole buyer journey uh, coming in, into your business um, and apply that then to every single thing you do. So that's that's how I help businesses today, is, is to understand that, the difference between branding and brand, and then to apply brand thinking to everything in their business.
1: E- Excellent, and, and what sort of clients do you typically work with?
2: Well, again, I, I, uh, a long answer to a short question. So I, my, I started my career in the automotive sector. So I, I did uh, Weber carburetors and Fiat commercial vehicles and Subscania trucks. And, and then I took on my first mentor and he said, well, you can either pursue a career of automotive or you can go on uh, and, and become what's called a, a specialist generalist. And I really liked the idea of that. So subsequent to that, I've worked on uh, launching detergents. So I launched, uh, helped launch e-trade uh, throughout europe having helped uh, we the brand bucket being used to help them launch in, in the us um, i've launched retail commercial uh, fmcg slow moving goods technology it so i've done across the 570 brands almost there isn't anything i haven't touched literally anything whatever you throw at me so Today, I'm, for example, I'm working with a laser dispersion spectroscopy company, uh, a shop fit-out company, a, uh, a beauty parlor, a uh, peer-to-peer uh, small business loans, FinTech company, um, and I'm working with an apprenticeship company. So they're all entirely different. They're my, my big five, as well as lots of others. So it, it really, the rules of, of brand apply to any business in any sector, any shape, any size. Um, obviously the application of it is slightly different depending on budget and reach that you want to achieve
1: excellent well thank you for that after the break we're going to talk about we'll talk about what this brand marketing bucket is and uh, other components of it and why we should use it and and start to move into how it can help us with our uh, developing sort of quality leads uh, which turn into quality business so back again with you in just a couple of minutes to join us after the break
0: Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts
2: here. Voice America Business Network.
0: Tuned into the Business Elevation Show with your host Chris Cooper. If you have a question or comment about our show, please direct your emails to chris at chriscooper.co.uk. That's chris at chriscooper.co.uk. Now back to Chris Cooper.
1: Hi, this is Chris Cooper. I'm with Barnaby Winter. That's Winter with a Y, Um, and we've been talking about uh, about his world and a uh, little story about madness, which I, I really enjoyed, um, and the beat. And we talked about um, brand uh, thinking and brand versus branding, what it is, why it's important. So what I'd like to understand now, because we've referred a number of times, Barnaby, to this brand bucket. Um, what is the brand marketing bucket?
2: That's so a, it's a great question. And, and actually, I... I I, I think we need to, let's, let me set a context for this a yeah, little do, bit. Do. Um, so the, the, actually the brand bucket was, was created for Saab in 1985 and, and funnily enough resulted in a TV commercial um, which was shot by Tony Scott, Ridley Scott's brother. And it was of a vegan fighter plane flying over a, a Saab car. And he used that film to pitch to shoot the Top Gun film. And so the brand bucket is actually an inspiration for Top Gun, funnily enough, which uh, uh, and, and all the many films that Tony Scott uh, shot thereafter, because he'd never shot any film before. And the agency had applo- approached Ridley and Ridley said, look, I'm really busy, but my brother's trying to break into films. Can you get him to use it? So there's a long history to, to, to the brand bucket. And it resulted from uh, a Saab asking uh, a, a top, Forty London advertising agency to come up with a formula for how people bought motorcars, and a gentleman called Stuart Ball put together uh, an eighteen-month research program to research how people bought motorcars, and ended up with this with a six-step engagement model um, for for buying motorcars. And when he got back to the agency, he realised it worked for every single account that he'd ever seen, and he then used it to to. Build a big agency, sell it to Saatchi and Satchi, and then started the agency that I then I then joined in in 1999, with with the brand bucket at the at the very core of it. And essentially, what it does is it maps the full journey that a prospect goes through uh, when they when they are going through the buying decision cycle for for your business. And what's changed about marketing today and why it's so important is. We really need to reject outbound thinking and start to really adopt inbound thinking. And the thing about the brand bucket is it maps the journey inbound of a prospect. So it starts with top of the bucket. So imagine your business is a bucket and you're looking at this shape. And at the very top of the bucket, you, you you need to tell everybody there. And we call that raising awareness. So you tell everybody there. There's lots of ways of doing that. Make your name famous. Come up with a, fa- a fancy line that you might use. But actually, the most common way to do it is to create a, like a brand property, a something that whenever people see it, they they, they recognize it. And in fact, the brand bucket was used to use, launch FedEx, for example, throughout Europe, uh, use it, bringing the uh, the whole Iconography that sits within the FedEx logo, uh, which is which is the arrow inside the FedEx logo, and it was used to make the arrow famous. So that's one way of doing it. So you raise awareness, so people become familiar with you, they kind of see you around, and in the online arena, that's even more important. And then once you've done that, you then got to you got to build an image around that awareness, which which people buy into. Because when we researched this, we found that actually people not only buy from people they like, but people who are like them. So what you have to do with your marketing is you have to make your marketing like your target market not expect your target market to like you uh, and be like you so we go for image match so we're trying to match to the image of the prospect So then that's very emotional. So I've heard of you and I like you because you're like me. And at that point, it normally leads to the question, well, what what can you do for me? And at that point, you have to communicate what we call facts match because they're now comparing and contrasting you to everything in the market. Well, you have to communicate at that point your benefits, your benefits of why they should buy your particular product or service. And then. And then I go, that's all great. Fantastic. I've heard of you. I like you because you're like me. And now I understand what you're going to give me. When I need somebody like you, I'll I'll come back. And that's really there now in the middle of your bucket. And you go, and they disappear and that's a nightmare so the next stage next stage in is you have to run a test drive or or create a response so you, they ask you what you do and you say so we give you all this stuff and people go that's amazing would you like to have a go yes I, oh well, why not well i forgot to lose and this brings them really close to to your business your value proposition, your story, what all the benefits are. So you, you take them through the test drive and then you, of course, while they're enjoying using your products or service, you then say, I'm terrible. So I've got to remove it from you because it's not, I can't provide this for you for free forever. And they go, no, 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 you can't do that. And I said, I'm really sorry. We, we're not a charity. We're not going to, we're not a not for profit. We, we, we can't not give it. And they said, no, no, please don't take it. By. I said, I really don't know. Oh, I do have one idea. Well, what's that? They say. And you say, well, I'll tell you what you give us money and we'll carry on letting you, you use our product or service. And they go, yes, yes. And they often don't even ask the price if you've got the first four steps right. So now they've heard of you. They like you because you like them. You've told them how you're going to benefit them through the fax match. You've now given them a test drive and they've now bought from you. Most marketing people then go to lunch. You know, they've done their job. They've taken the the suspect and they turn them into a prospect. And then they've taken the the, the cold lead and they've warmed it up and then they made it hot, 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 hot. And then, and then of course, they disappear and go to lunch. But actually what we found is this is really when the transfer of money takes place is when marketing really can kick in because what you need to do is make the experience of being an owner of that particular product so sort of amazing and you can put a marketing thinking all over that and then once if you get that right they then really love love you and they become long-term loyalists and they buy more stuff from you and and at best become advocates of your business so the six steps are awareness image match facts match response or test drive what we call usage and then loyalty and those though we then use those six steps and we, we create marketing plans to make sure that all of your business systems and processes follow those six steps. So wherever I come in to the, to the relationship with your business, I'm absolutely nailed on and, and want to do work with you or buy your product or buy your service.
1: Excellent. So when, it, when it comes to quality leads, then, uh, we've got to get these steps steps right but um assuming that we we've got to a a point where we've uh, we've got a quality lead in um what are your sort of tips then um or actually i'm just thinking now maybe I should go back a step I mean what 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 are your your tips on generating those quality leads with um, the help of marketing
2: Okay, so let, let, let's let's, let's let's we need to talk, Chris, about how marketing's changed in the last thirty years. When I when I came into the industry, I was taught that there was a thing called a USP and what you did is you wrapped it around uh, with a, a beautiful piece of creativity and then you shouted it out as loud as you could to as many people as you could afford using the broadcast media that absolutely no longer works anymore. There is a, first of all, no such thing as a USP. They disappeared in 1995. And the reason why is because the internet arrived. So you can now key in any USP and I challenge anybody listening to this um, to type in their USP into Google and be the only one on the first page, right? I guarantee that won't be the case. So from a buyer perspective, you are not the only one. So forget USPs. So the first thing that we need to understand is there's lots of choice. So The second thing is that what's changed over the last 10 years is the buyer has full control of when they buy, how they buy, what device they're going to buy from. They're in full control of this. So... What they do is they wake up in the morning, and and the research says that 88%, up to 88% of all buying decisions start online. So you've got to be in the online arena. So that your leads are are on keyboards right now, looking for your product or service. So you've got to create a pathway so that they absolutely only come to you. And the way you do that is by uh, generating insight uh, and you and helping them really get to grips with the problem and say, have you thought of this? Have you done that, Etc. And what, what, what that's of course led to in the last five years or so is everybody's been doing that. So people are now confused by lots of great information. So what you need to do now is help them make sense of all of that. So now as a brand, your brand needs to make sense of the one thing, the, the, the set of benefits that you offer uh, uh, to the buyers. So, the way to generate quality leads is to own the airwaves in the digital arena for um, making sense of their buying decisions so that ultimately they only really want to buy from you. It's, it's like having a, a good friend who says you should do this. Now, if you're going to do that, there's lots and lots of ways to to generate pathways to to your particular business you can you can write blogs for example which ex- help explain how to make sense of of a challenge they might have you can go into forums and get involved and and talk about and present yourself as a as a as a benefit a subject matter expert as, as something that you can know you can go networking and and, and explain how you 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 help make things clearer and simpler and easier to understand in particular you can run showcases so you can use youtube videos you can use instagram they're all kind of showcase arenas now that people go to regularly in fact they say instagram is now the second largest search engine um people like going and seeing how things work and it doesn't matter what you're selling you know, show pictures of your equipment, show pictures of how you make things, how you produce the food. It really doesn't matter. And and use this inside strat insight strategy. And ultimately what you, you could also do is you can find influencers, and there's a big, big influence in particular sectors. So you find key influencers of particular marketplace who all eulogize about your solution. These are all fantastic marketing strategies to help you get insight out. So what you're trying to do is get your insights on your area of expertise out into the marketplace. And then people will be, you will become the brand that people go to when they want to buy something.
1: Wow. So there's a, yeah. So there's a, I can really see how this system sort of builds together. And I suppose the danger is that unless you use a, a system like your, your the brand book it is is that you do a little bit of some of these things, but not in a coordinated yeah. way.
2: I think that's right. And I think what, what, what seems, if you just write the, the, if you just draw a bucket and write those six steps down, filling the bucket down to the bottom and you start and you show that to your business systems and process, you're absolutely right. Chris. you suddenly think, Oh, we're doing that bit really well, but it doesn't connect to that bit quite so easily or, and You know, if you're a sales led organizer, you're going to have pre-sales, sales sales, and after sales. Well, I can guarantee you there's already a disconnect within your own organization from a buyer perspective. And we've all had the situation where we, you know, we we ring a company and says dial one for this, dial two for that, dial three for the other, dial four to hear these three options again. You know, it's just you're just being sifted through. A system that's been built for the company, rather than it's been built for the buyer, and you've got to build for the buyer right now. And actually, that that model, I've, where where it's embraced by an organisation, is that if you overlay that over your systems process, you you find you reorder everything. It's it's fascinating to watch.
1: I, I bet it is. I'm just thinking how how much benefit um, telecoms industries would uh, gain from this from you.
2: Yes, and in fact, I've launched, I've, uh, I've worked in the telecoms industries. There you go. There's one that, that tests me. I launched, a thing called First Telecom, which is the first alternative to BT in the UK, and um, you had to dial 1471 before every telephone number, and then it rerouted uh, your call, so you only pen spent a penny penny a minute to get to call india rather than 70p as was from british telecom at the time so it was a a great way of saving it and we built we built the whole experience with the client from day one um so they actually matched the brand bucket the whole way through and uh, they, they sold for I think forty million after five years or something like that, and uh, and we subsequently lost the account <laughs> because the new owners didn't want us. They were based in Aberdeen, which was not particularly accessible from London at the time.
1: That kind of kind of happens, doesn't it?
2: It does, yeah, it does. It happens,
1: yeah. And what are your um, so I I'm, I'm sort of seeing you can you, you build this kind of process and you you reorder things and out of that process uh, you you find leads and you run test drives. What are your what are, what are your sort of best tips in terms of uh, when you've got a client and I think it was point six, make, make generating further quality business from those existing clients, the existing clients you've already got.
2: Yeah, so so I, I, a lot of I, I, you go into a lot of business, and I say, you know, where did your business come? From? They say we get a lot of referrals. And I go, okay, that's fantastic. How, how do you generate those? And they said, what do you mean? And I said, well, how do you generate the referrals? And they go, no, they, they just come in. And I says, okay, so how many of you got coming in today? And they said, well, we don't know. And I said, well, how many would you have coming in tomorrow? And they said, well, we don't know. And I said, well, what about next week? And they said, well, we don't know. I said, so you have no control on how the referrals come in. So one of of the key things I do going into an existing organization is I, I build a recommend a friend scheme or customer get customer scheme or whatever you want to call it, member get member scheme, because what you have to do is you have to kind of prompt people to talk about you to and listen for opportunities amongst amongst their peer group to, to push you in. And, but there is one key critical strategy, and you'll see this, you'll say, you'll, you know, it'll say, you um, you know, join join a gym, or get a friend to join the gym, and they'll get you know the first month free, and you'll get nothing, and or or get yourself a a, a, a you know a watch or something, a health watch or whatever, if you recommend a friend and the recommend friend gets nothing. And now they're bribes. So the trick to do this is you've got to make sure that both the referrer and the referee both get the same reward, exactly the same reward. So it's because what you need to do is you need to put in place a thank you strategy, a thank you for being a loyal buyer of our product or service and a thank you to the prospect that's come to you at the same time. So you you put in place a thank you strategy. Now, actually, if you start thinking about a thank you strategy per se, for being a buyer, you can send out tips, you can send out guides, you can help people get more from your product or more from your service. Don't try and sell them more stuff. They don't want to buy more stuff in that way. They're already sold to. What they want is to get more from what you've sold them. And then they go, actually, if it does that, can it do this? And you go, well, it can if you buy this added added, extra thing and this and blah, blah, blah. blah. And they go, okay, because they love being in a relationship with you. So keep adding value to the relationship that you've, spent a lot of time crafting through getting them in the first place converting them getting them to buy and getting them to use your product or service well and then just keep adding value adding tips adding guides and put in a recommender a friend scheme so that they are gently nudged to go and tell other people about you and bring people back into the top of the bucket as well
1: And you're right, this is the danger isn't it with having maybe New business development specialists and handling handing over a existing count into the business to be retained.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Mm. It, it, I mean, I in, we are bloodhounds for inconsistencies in the relationship as buyers We're, because of the because of the knowledge economy, the digital economy, the peer groups, uh, the the the, the trip advisor, All of these things. There's so much information out there that we spot those gaps straight away, and we hate it. We hate being, you know, really cajoled by a, 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 a somebody who's trying to sell you something, and you go, "Yeah, yeah actually, that could work." And then the moment you signed the piece of paper, they're gone, right? And you're talking to, them, "Yeah, how can I help you?" Oh, well, actually, I'm, i you know, I've just signed up. Oh, oh, yeah, right, okay. Well, here's our system for you to get the product or get the service. And they, they're nowhere near as enthusiastic about the relationship with you because they didn't start it, they don't own it, and the, blo- the the, the, the people that you spoke to before, and they've disappeared, and. That we, we, we really don't like that anymore, um, and I, I think the brands that are, are are dominating. So if you look at the the Amazons and the Zappos and the you know and the Just Eats, it's kind of a sense of your you're the hero of those of those journeys. It's kind of designed around you, um, and that's how your business has got to feel. I
1: mean, it's, it we've got to go to commercial break now, but I'm just thinking about how many. You know, suppliers of domestic services that I've I've been irritated by <laughs> over the years. I wouldn't recommend. And they, you know, they've got one or two who I I, you know, I really do do like because they they've built uh, their service around me. Um, it's, it's time we, at this day and age, we got this right, isn't it? Surely.
2: I, I I I think if you don't, then the younger generation will not tolerate you for long enough for you to have a sustainable business.
1: Yeah. Good challenge there. Well, on that note, we're going to go to commercial break. After the break, there's going to be going to be lots more with Barnaby. I know when an interview is a great one because I've made a lot of notes, and uh, I've made a lot of notes with this one. So, thank you. So, we'll be back again with you in just uh, a couple of minutes, and uh, we'll find more from Barnaby Winter, and uh, obviously details of how you can connect with him if you want to. So, back with you again in just a couple of minutes.
2: From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network.
0: You are tuned into the Business Elevation Show with your host, Chris Cooper. If you have a question or comment about our show, please direct your emails to Chris at chriscooper.co.uk. That's Chris at chriscooper.co.uk. Now back to Chris Cooper.
1: Hi, this is Chris Cooper. I'm with Barnaby Winter. We're talking about turning those quality leads into quality business. We've chatted about the, the brand bucket. I've written loads of notes. I hope you have as well uh, because there's um, some real gold and nuggets in here that we all need to think about. And uh, whether you're in a big company or whether you're out there trying to st- to stand out, make a difference, have your, your products and services seen uh, on the internet. So, Barnaby, how do we best turn those... Um, clients into raving advocates how do we just take that one stage further so you mentioned you know find a find a uh, get a friend scheme and both benefits anything else that we can do
2: okay so what i would commend you to do is to is to fundamentally change your thinking and your strategy in with regard to the people who are acquiring your products and services and it's interesting you use the word clients. So if you use the word clients, if you were, use the word customers, if you use the word uh, users, members, what that does in neuroscience terms, as a, as a business leader, as a, somebody who's responsible for, for commercializing relationships with your organization, in neuroscience terms, it rushes all of your thinking to the part of the brain where you think you are in a relationship with that individual. Now, bear in mind that your product or service represents next to no part of their life, uh, what, however big it is, even if it's a car or a house or whatever that you've sold them is still a relatively small part of them being alive. So actually, treating them as if they you're in a permanent relationship with them is, is really, really dangerous. And if you want to create raving advocates, you've got to change your strategic thinking about these people. Now, we went through, when we were going through the seven-year process, we really struggled to come up with a phrase that really captured what I'm talking about. And we ended up close to it with a word like consumer, and then we realized that the majority of our business that we were doing was B2B and not B2C. And whilst the buying decision is identical in both, actually they, they had different contexts. And so consumer was, and we ended up with the following phrase. And the way to create raving advocates for your business is to adopt the following phrase for people who buy from your organization. And that is to call them paying prospects. So in other words, up to the point where they buy from you, they are prospects. And the only difference between them and them as a prospect is they've given you money. So they now become paying prospects. Now, the reason why that creates raving advocates is because if you think about how you treat a prospect to the way you treat a customer, if you start treating a customer, a client, a user, a member, whatever, as a prospect, and what you do is your energy from your organization into them, is always towards them. It's never, and 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 I've worked with organizations where people have literally said, All right, okay, now they pay us, we want minimum intervention, maximum profit, because they know that every time they are touched by that 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 buyer, or they have to service them or deal with the complaint or it costs them money because they're not getting any more money from it. So they go minimum intervention, maximum profit. You've got to change that thinking to go, okay. And what I I commend you to do is to shift your marketing budget away from the top because people are heading towards you anyway. They're looking for you right now online. So you've got to find them, nurture them into your bucket. But once they get to the bottom bucket, put more spend into looking after them. Up, ringing them up finding out how they're getting on are they getting the most out of your product they're getting the most out and that's how you get raving advocates imagine you get called by your mobile phone operator to say hi we just sort of give you a call um not to say we can get you to pay less and upgrade to the next phone but to say we notice you're only using 20 percent of the capability of the phone would you like a, a a a lesson or some help or getting more from it or we noticed something and, and you would think wow that was really cool and actually if you go into an apple store the whole apple training thing is a, is a great example of that i mean apple whether you like them or, or loathe them they get this right. Um, they, they and they create the raving advocates, the raving fans. Because what they do is they, they demonstrate at every level of the relationship they care about you getting the most out of their product. You need to do the same. Treat them as paying prospects. Write that down. Never refer to them. Listen, if you're with the if we're, with the shareholders, if you're with the investors, if you're with the accounts department, you need if you're with a board. You're probably not to say customers, clients, users, members, whatever. But actually, when you're talking about brand and and building a reputation in the market, always treat those people as paying prospects.
1: Yeah, and uh, we had uh, a, a fabulous guest on a few weeks ago, Robbie Kelman Baxter, who's a, a real kind of global expert on sort of membership programs and things like that. And she talked about uh, the forever transaction. Yes, and that I think that's a really you know, helpful thinking there is to, to, to by, by thinking of your people as your paying prospects is how can you uh, build a, a forever transaction with them? Correct. Um, but that's got to be one of, of, you know, giving to receive, hasn't it?
2: Yes, very much so. And I think that's how you create raving advocates, to be honest.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think that's, um, that's really helpful. That, um, that, that uh, different sort of context uh, to think about. And I, I'm sort of, is, is there anything else in, in you know, kind of this remit? You know, have you got a you know a, a, a key a key sort of suggestion that there's something else we must think about um, when it comes to to this? Or you know, have we have we kind of discussed the uh, the key elements that you want to talk about today?
2: Well, I, th- I think I, listen, I, uh, our planet is increasingly becoming stressed, and one of the 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 challenges that we've got now. I mean, it's, it's it's the first time in history that five generations have been alive and working in the workforce. And you've got some huge uh, multi-generational, cross-generation issues within the within the workforce. You've got now the, the, the new revelation that you can also work from home as well as in the office. You've got corporations reducing their office space so they're going to create blended work environments. There's loads and loads of factors going on. But I think that the, the critical, part of commerce now, is that I think all businesses should be actively pursuing some kind of social enterprise element to their business. And I think if you look at the, the younger generation now who are very quickly becoming the owners of the free cash, the money, they're going to take the decisions much earlier. Um, you've got a demographic that globally is getting older because it's, 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 it's post-war and that sort of thing. So that, all of that sort of things going on. I think we need to be really thinking about how we create uh, businesses that are wonderful to do business with improve the quality of life of those that are lucky enough to, to to get hold of good products good services but more importantly have a mission well beyond their corporate uh, shareholder objective which is about improving the planet globally um, uh, and and enabling the human race to, to take on the, the inevitable developments that that, that are going to come and if you adopt the brand bucket six step relationship building model the other thing that you need to be mindful of is by switching your systems and processes so that they are all all designed to build strong relationships and maintain strong relationships with your buyers when you are eventually are sitting in, in the board meeting that says what do we do about this ai thing you will be ready Because all AI will be is it will take it will apply the machine learning, which is not AI, AI is something entirely different. You will apply the machine learning to the the processes and systems that you've designed that are relationship led, and you flips it then into a into a human interface, which then turns it into true AI. So if you really want a sustainable business, you've got to have a sustainable strategy at a social level and a sustainable strategy in terms of building your systems and processes so that they are relationship-led with your paying prospects, and ultimately can be flipped using machine learning into a human interface and therefore become true AI. So you still have a business in the future, but actually you'll be talking to an AI rather than people. That for me, I'm deeply excited about that. I think that's going to happen in the next 10 years. I intend to absolutely be fully active for the next 10 years to see, mm-hmm. help see that through because I, I, I can't think of anything more exciting. I'm sure there'll be lots of exciting things in 200 years time, but I'm afraid I'm not going to have access to that. So that's my plan. And that's, I think what you need to have in your stream of consciousness, become relationship led as a system and process business. So you're ready for AI and for goodness sake, sit down as a board and say, how can we, can we direct some of the, the profits of this organization into a better world?
1: Well, <clears throat> I absolutely, absolutely love that. And that fits in very much with this show with my own personal ethos about, you know my absolute passion at the moment is this sort of calling to uh, make, a, make a contribution through the work that we do to, to solving the world's problems because we can't just keep on consuming and we no. can't just keep on taking, uh, and um, it, it is essential, isn't it, that, that leadership steps up and and considers doing business better, not only in the way it operates but also and and its customers, but also in the impact it has. and um, because if they don't do that, people aren't going to buy from them going forward?
2: I think that's right. I think it's a great way of differentiating your business right now, and I, I hope it becomes a normality
1: well i think it's it has got to be and i guess it comes down to people like you and i and people listening to this show to to to, to sort of shake that up uh, decide who we're going to buy from uh, and who we're not going to buy from um because yeah. that will inflast it decide what we're going to consume and what we're not going to consume i'm just um just just realizing today i'll probably in the last year only in 10% of the meat i did the previous year because that's something that's important to me we've got to take some personal responsibility haven't we
2: I think that's right. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, So um, what, um, uh, if people were to work with you, I mean, who's your ideal client and and, and how does it work, operates working with, with Barnaby? We've got about sort of, two couple of minutes before we need to wrap up.
2: Yeah, I mean, so, so I offer a, a, a range of services. Um, I, I offer from from a, a, the low, lower end uh, in terms of, of cost. So I offer a mentoring service and that happens all online. So therefore we, I spend a couple of hours uh, as and when uh, the, the business owner needs it and we just discuss everything, have a conversation that's not dissimilar to this one, Chris. And we just talk about their business issues, what I would recommend, what they could change. And then we set goals and objectives and that's a mentoring session. And then right up to the other end, where the brand bucket program—that's a full 12-month program. Again, I'm executing that online. It's more challenging than doing it face to face, but it's st- still doable. I've, I've taken on two new clients since since uh, beginning of the year that being purely online, where I absolutely help a business define their value proposition, define their ideal our uh, ideal prospect. Come up with a, a one-page business plan, develop a marketing strategy, develop a marketing action plan, and then help them execute that through the various creative resources uh, that go. And that's at the very expensive lens. And then, of course, there's everything in between. Um, and I, I speak regularly, so again, I'm, I'm more than willing to go anywhere in the in the world, you know, travel permitting, um, and 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 talk to companies and audiences about. Listen, guys, you need to really think differently about how you're approaching engaging with your marketplace.
1: Fantastic. And we're coming to the end of the show. Do you have a final message you'd like to leave us with?
2: Yeah, I think whatever you do, you must start with a really core, set of values and contain that in a value proposition, you must know what, what, what the how you're going to benefit people, what your style is, what you want people to believe about you and what you want to be famous for. You need to really define that at the beginning before you really start to embark on a, on a good, strong brand journey. And then define your perfect prospect from a psychographic point of view, you know, how they think and feel. And just then marketing is just about matching those together. I use a six-step bucket model to do that. There are lots of ways of doing that, but just matching your ideal mindset of your perfect prospect with the mindset of your business, which is a whole 10, Load of values, um, and if you do that, then actually it's very hard to fail uh, it, it, given that the, the way of getting to people now is so easy.
1: Fantastic, Barnaby. It's been absolutely brilliant, really tremendous content, tremendous value. Uh, thank you. I hope you've enjoyed the conversation today. It's
2: been fantastic. Thank you very much, and thank you so much for having me on the show.
1: You're very welcome. And to get in touch with find out more about Barnaby or get in touch with him uh, barnabywinter.com. That's Barnaby B A R N A B Y. Winter, W Y N T E R.com, BarnabyWinter.com. And on next week's show, we've got Karen Wilson Starks, um, an amazing, uh, amazing lady, leadership expert from the United States, um, but has been in the army, in the military, um, psychologist, um, all sorts of presence, TV show, big podcast. Um, she's um, had a fantastic conversation with her this week, um, fascinating what's going on in, in, in America at the moment. And uh, and the politics, et cetera. We're going to talk about the call for positive leadership, which is something that is really, really needed right now. We've really got to step up that humility and move to another place in the way that we operate as leaders, linked in nicely with some of the conversations today with Barnaby. Any questions, comments, send them to me at chris at chriscooper.co.uk. Love to hear from you. And, um, yep, yeah, speak again to you next week.